Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Bullimore and this week, yes again, I am joined by Dan Lambert and Micah Chudley. Guys, welcome. Good evening. Good evening. Evening to you both. Uh, so we got plenty of topics to cover, including the win against Wigan, the, a preview of next week's, week's trip to Norwich, and we also have Jamie from the Blues Focus podcast for a preview of Friday's clash with Birmingham. That's coming up later on. But before we go through all of that, and we will eventually get onto the um, Wigan game. Have you guys um, seen on Twitter? I don't know whether this has kind of been happening beyond today but I saw it for the first time today. There's an AI that can generate sort of tweets based on what you tweet. Oh, yeah. No, my brother sent me this. Now, I had a bit of spare time earlier on. um, And disappointingly, um, it couldn't find anything for me. I guess I don't tweet enough, but there was nothing for me. But there was some interesting things that came up about... You guys, so should we start with Dan? Uh, also, we all know Dan loves uh, tactics. Oh, we didn't know that he liked it that much, that he would just post a list of formations. Uh, one, three, four, three, slash, four, three, three, two, four, two, three, two, slash, four, three, two, one, and on, and on, and on. And then the other thing that apparently you would tweet, according to this AI, is just a list of buzzwords so one possession two distribution three passing <laughs> angles you know what the movement the, the, list, the list of formations the first one that was actually um our list of formations on a weekly basis under ian holloway the second time around <laughs> was, it, was that sort of like game by game or like every five minutes uh it depends what the score was uh, Micah, your one is really interesting. Uh, I, of course, used your QPR profile. One of the uh, tweets I've that locked out of. Have you been locked out of that? That I've is a been, shame. Yeah, I tweeted a photo, a video of Dan Shitley scoring against Brentford, and I got a copyright claim, and I've not been able to get back in. So, if anyone's been missing my tweets, that's why. Um, well, when apparent when you do get control of that account back, may I suggest? Um, tweeting the letter one and then the and then just four lines across the page <laughs> i'm not sure what that means or what that's in reference to that i don't know either there's also quite a lot of there's a mention of the 2018 mercedes benz class <laughs> you go into a very detailed i guess review uh because I've obviously driven it. Obviously. Yep. This this is a quote. I like to do a lot of things, says a 10-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> this is all stuff apparently you tweet, and apparently you have a lot of interest in the annual European Conference on Information Systems. <laughs> the 11th edition of this event will take place in Vienna, Austria. That's good to know. I've never heard of that. Um Ben, who you will know occasionally, listeners, who does come on, obviously is a uh, a proper journalist for Wales Online, I believe. Uh, he, he likes tweeting about um, emergency services, I guess. And it kind of looks like a it kind of looks like a tweet that he could come up with. Um, 
that there's some interesting ones about our generation account um apparently our generation would probably tweet about oral health um yeah apparently you've got to watch your diet and brush your teeth <laughs> um and then there's another a series of generic quotes uh by a footballer i guess I just hope I get a good reception. He told us, I just want to play, 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 play. I just want to play football. I don't care what people say. I love playing football and I just want to play football. It's a football club. It's wonderful. I've always <laughs> loved it here and I always will. I just want to play. I think he wants to play football. That's like, that could be believable though, couldn't it? That last one. That is every um, Sky Sports post-game interview, to be fair, isn't it? It is. Um, whilst this podcast is sort of, you know, we haven't got started yet, but we've already descended into madness and twisted away from what we should be talking about, which should, is, of course, the win against Wigan at the weekend. Um, a game dominated by set pieces, which I'm sure Dan will be delighted about. Gives him a bit more, uh, I don't know, what's the right word content uh and for so- something i'm sure later on uh but you know unchanged side how did it go um probably wasn't the best of games <clears throat> both from a neutral and um qpr perspective i suppose wigan were probably quite pleased with their performance um they 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 stopped us doing um Playing in the second half already. Well, we weren't we weren't a great second half, but I thought there were some positives first half. The likes of Irabunum, Powell, and Chair down the left hand side quite quite a good th- um, three link linking up, um, and obviously the set pieces. Um, that was probably the real real main positives from the game. But it wasn't a brilliant game overall. Yeah, uh, Micah, would you echo the thoughts of Dan? Yeah, I would agree. It was by no means the prettiest. Um, I think the first half was a lot better than the second. Um, it, it is quite easy in these situations, and I know it's cliche to say, oh, um, you've got to give credit to the other team. But I did think Wigan were actually a better side than maybe a lot of us had kind of given them credit for. Um, we're at kind of a weird stage in the championship, the early stage of the season, where you can be like 17th or 18th I think we are but also five or six points off the playoffs um so I think we come up against the side that will probably you know be have quite a decent go of it in the championship this year they're they're better than a lot of the teams I think we faced um but yeah for, for me very very encouraging in terms of the again another cliche what are we like 10 minutes into the pod I'm too cliches in but you do have to you do have to win those games that you don't always play the best in, and I think Saturday was an example of that. Do you think there was any kind of um, hangover from the news around Bill? Obviously, we played on the sort of the day before he decided he was staying, but I think Leon Balogun has mentioned that it's been quite a difficult week. Do you think that played any part? Um. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess it must have played a part. Do you think it's a credible excuse? Um, do you know what? I think yes, to an extent, but I also feel as though it was the third game in a week 
And it was the second time in three weeks where we've played three games in a week. I think it was more a case of, I think he felt that in the first half, the excitement of all the managers staying. And then in the second half, kind of the reality of the week of football, I think maybe caught up. I also felt like Johansson going off made just a massive difference to our midfield, especially. Um, I don't know what Dan thought about that, but. Yeah, yeah we'll no, I'd agree. Shortly, just quickly to say that, um, you know, there's a bit, a bit of news around Wigan, them not playing, paying their players again, uh, you know, and I think there was a pretty good uh, response to Barry being on the podcast last week and, it would be gutting for them if after coming up and there seems to be a lot of faith in the owners if it's all going to go wrong again. So I kind of really hope that doesn't happen. But focus back on QPR. Uh, Dan, like Micah said, Johansson came off. It looks like he's okay because I saw him in the uh, video. Yeah, Bill said but, he's, he's cleared to play for Friday. Fantastic. Uh there's me reading. I could have just, I guess, read Bill's comments instead of reading in between the lines on the describe Sinclair Armstrong video. Um, but yeah, Johansson proving how important he is to this side. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with what Mike said. I think Johansson was a big miss second half. Um, we didn't really look like we had the second half in control where maybe if Johansson was on the, on the pitch, he could have helped us both in maintaining possession and also kind of slowing the game down when it needed to. Um, and in, in terms of replacements, I didn't think uh, Dizel or Amos were particularly very good on, on Saturday. I thought this was probably their time where they kind of, not, it's, it wasn't it wasn't critical, but they had to kind of impress and because that midfield three of Irabunum, Field and Johansson has kind of been the mainstay for a while. So I don't think they impressed um, well enough. And I was really surprised that he didn't bring Richards on earlier because we saw him, what, for five, six minutes and in the last minute or so, he, he carried the ball up 30 yards and kind of showed his brilliance. So I thought it was a weird, weird move from substitution point of view, but I suppose he can't get everything right, can he? So let him off from that one. Yeah, I guess so. We, we were only top of the league at the time, so well, a couple of subs incorrect. It don't, doesn't hurt too much, I guess. Uh, you know, and it's also important to say it's a good thing that, you know, we didn't sell Stefan Janssen or release him, as some people were suggesting at the back end of last season. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if he's a good footballer. Uh, you know, Careful, funny. it's a funny, funny old game, <laughs> isn't it? Um, two assists for him and a second goal for Sam Field. Of course, his first came in his debut against Brentford way, way back in... in uh, Lockdown football. It's a happy memory for you all. Um, but, you know, nice that he does pick up a goal because, you know, he does such a crucial role and he is getting plenty of credit for it. But to have something a bit more eye-catching, I guess, uh, and to actually get on the score sheet, quite a nice moment, I guess, I'd say. Yeah. Do you know what I love most in football? I love uh, the goal celebrations of guys that don't score very often because they're always rubbish. Um, I think, what did, did anyone see? He just put his hand up, Shearer style, and then he slid, belly slides on his yeah. yeah, and he's just lying there for like 30 seconds. I think his um, pal trying to get him up. Got to I mean, there's a lot to sort of deconstruct there. You've got the simplicity of, like you said, the, the Shearer style celebration. Followed up by 
utter flamboyance and just sort of he, he clearly thought I need to do something else here. Yeah, it's like he's realised, oh, I haven't scored for 18 months. Better do something. <laughs> <laughs> he just slid on the floor, why not? Um, <laughs> Dan, I, I noticed on Twitter uh, you had a little bit of a, I think, I, th- I hope it was you, otherwise I'm going to give someone else, I'm giving you undue credit for this. Uh, I think it was you who sort of did a bit of a sort of breakdown on the two set on the two corner routines that led to the goal. And did you use the term love train? Yeah. The um, the first one. Okay. Yeah. Talk Um, us through that. Well, it's famous (laughs) for the, it's famous for the uh, England, England world cup um, set pieces. Um, And it it was quite a consistent theme in the ones I wrote in the piece a few things a month ago. Um, Yeah. Basically, kind of starters for four four attackers behind behind one another and then three dispersed into the front post where two I think were acted as blockers and then um Field was kind of isolated from the delivery and it was a good good goal really. Yeah um obviously we will dissect the Balogun goal as well shortly but overall Dan is this a little bit of evidence to show that set piece coach he's clearly doing something yeah I'd say so uh, I think he said it was a good appointment at the start of the year and I don't think there's many in the championship really at clubs um, so it's only an advantage on us really and kind of those those minimal um, fine margins are kind of going in our way at the minute and we are one of the better clubs at scoring from set pieces are we? I think we're the best we're the best in terms of corners I think we scored six I don't think we're the, I think Millwall quite clear in terms of set pieces as you can oh, imagine Surprise, um, wouldn't we're definitely we're definitely up there. So it's so it's a good good thing, really. Yeah, um, Micah, up the other end yeah. of the pitch, we have another goal. Again, a game dominated by set pieces. This one, um, obviously going in the favour of Wigan. I think there's about three opportunities for us to. Well, I don't know if it's an opportunity to clear the ball. It's certainly three aerial contests before the ball eventually falls to the guy who shoots and scores. So, um, you know, defensively from the set piece, not too impressive that they've won it that many times in our area. Yeah, it, it did feel a little, um, I, I don't want to say lazy or sluggish, but it did feel a little bit. I did get the sense when we scored the first goal that we thought, oh, the manager's staying with one nil up. You know, things are going to be rosy from here on out. We're going to go and beat Wigan 3-0 now. Um, so that it, it did feel a little bit lax between our um, first goal and theirs. I can't remember. There wasn't. Can't remember how much uh, time difference there was between the two, but it didn't feel very long when I was watching it. Um, so yeah, perhaps something to be concerned with. I think um, in this post-match game, post-match game, post-match there was ten minutes goal. between the first ten. and second goal. Yeah, yeah. So it it. it uh, longer than I thought it was, but still not very long. I think um, Mick Bill had come out after the game and he'd said we were playing the table a little bit. We weren't playing the the team in front of us. Uh, and it did have a bit of that feel to that in that 10 minutes. And to be honest, a little bit in that second half. Uh, yeah, but we respond quickly, don't we, Dan? Just two minutes later, Balogun makes it 2-1. First goal for him. Another nice moment. He's been... Um, <clears throat> well, he's he's won fans over quite quickly, and 
to be fair, to be keeping someone like Rob Dickey out the side, regardless of the fact that Bill obviously has a spot, soft spot for him, he must be doing something well. Yeah, I mean, I've been quite impressed with his last two performances, actually. I think his ability, a bit like Dickey, to kind of step in um, with the ball and kind of break lines, um, that's something that I kind of haven't really missed that much um, without Dickey, I suppose. But he does, he gives you that... Um, gives you that experience, presence. And I think Bill's described him on several occasions as a quiet leader. So he's, um, and obviously we spoke to Laird, didn't we? Um, yeah, he was a vocal leader the, there, wasn't he? Yeah, so I, I guess he he can do both very well. So, you know, it can only be something good, um, good for the team. But no, it was good for him to get his goal. Would you be worried at this point? Um, we've been through the fans forum quite recently and we know how our we're meant to sort of run as a football club. Our model is sell on our assets at a certain point. Dickey, unfortunately, you know, looked like he was going to be the starting centre-back alongside Clark Salter at the start of this season, but injuries have gotten in the way and Balogun's come in. Would you be not worried, but, you know, at some point we potentially could be selling Dickey on. Is this going to diminish his price, not playing so much this season or... Would that make it more likely for someone to come in if he's, you know, not played as much? Um, um, I, I'm not too sure. I think, I think these kind of things sort of even out over the season. He's not in the team now. Um, you know, Balogun could get injured. Clark Salter could get injured. He's back in the team. You know, I think as, I think as the season goes on, I don't think Balogun, 34. You know, I don't think he's going to be able to play week in, week out. Obviously, we've got three games in um eight days next week. I doubt he plays all three of those. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's not really something I'm worried about. Yeah, fair enough. Uh Dan, then the second goal, just break it down for us. Um well this is quite a simple one. Obviously we've seen quite a few times. Uh we start with like a six yard bunch. Um and then we've kind of uh, again another theme is a lot of our players have kind of made that front post movement. Particularly Dykes did that um, earlier on the season with Flickons, but we've kind of semi-isolated Balogun, but to be fair to him, he does well in um, in kind of attacking attacking across um, between the two zonal players. So yeah, it was a good it was a good goal. And um, just just on the set pieces, I think Johansson's delivery this season, um, regardless of a lot of our start and end points for set pieces, it's been it's it's kind of maximised our chances from them. So as well as us doing well from set plays, Johansson's been um, been good from the delivery point of view. Yeah. Uh, it Obviously, the crowd in the goalkeeper, it reminded me a lot, I seem to remember a, a, a season under Steve McLaren. We did that a hell of a lot. And I think my dad turned to me after seeing it for the first time and said something along the lines of, we're going to score from that at one point this season. And you know what? I don't think we ever did. Um he also said a similar thing when he saw Chris Samba running forward. I'd say run, probably strolling forward to uh, be a, an attacker for a cent for us. Uh, when we were back in the Premier League, he turned to me and said, surely he's going to score a goal for us at some point from a corner. He's massive. Again, didn't happen. Um, so, you know, perhaps lack of foresight on my dad's behalf. But second half, we come under a bit of pressure. Actually, no, I've skipped over something. Sorry. They have a disallowed goal, don't they? Bit dodgy, this. Another 
uh, favourable decision going our way? Given offside. Is this, Micah's face, that you don't remember. Yeah, I, 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 don't I have to explain. It's... I wasn't at the game. I don't remember. So <laughs> I've been told about this, basically, and it is on the highlights. I do remember keep your highlights. No, I remember about it, but I don't remember. Like the, I can't think of the. Um, I can't picture the, okay. the incident. Mandela effect going on here. <laughs> okay. Well, all I'll say is, it looks pretty suspect that we have gotten away with that one. Um, so you know, we've had the Cardiff. Uh, red card go our way and we've had this offside it's pretty hard to tell from the QPR YouTube highlights whether the guy's offside or not I don't really know who is getting flagged offside I thought when I first saw it that they were going to they were giving it for um, handball but then camera pans to the linesman he's got his flag up for offside so (laughs) I've got no idea what they saw but I'm thankful they saw it Um, just saying that if in the next couple of games there's a sort of typical EFL decision that goes against us. We we've we've you know, potentially had our luck in the last two. Second half then, uh we come under a bit of pressure, as I understand. Um we've already mentioned Johansson going off, Amos and Dazelle not playing as well. Dan, you would prefer to see um Richards come on. How do we cope with the pressure? Um, fair, uh, fairly well at points, I'd say. Uh, we moved to a back three again, which I think this is the fourth time in the last five games Bill's done that. So, I mean, it's it's worked it's worked at times, but I don't know. It just felt to me this this instance that he's kind of just moving to the back three because he's done it recently. Um, I don't really think there was like a reasoning behind it to be honest. Um, but just just being at the game, it just felt like we dropped off like five yards, which sometimes can make all the difference and it kind of just conceded um, like possession to Wigan a, a lot of the time. Um, but we, we we dug ourselves out uh, well, like we have in other games. Um, so that could only be a good thing from that point of view. Yep. Uh, any Anything else to mention from this game? Uh, as I said, I wasn't there. haven't watched the full 90. So is there anything that I missed from this? Uh, judging... well, I, don't know Mike, I don't know if Mike has got something first, but I, there is something I want to say. Um, yeah. it was the, the thing that I noticed was the diff. Um, we had a few pressing variations, so like <clears throat> normally, normally we kind of go bullside man to man and then force trap them wide and force them long. But it was quite interesting how, um, we used Irabunum as kind of like the highest, highest player pressing at some points and kind of Dykes dropping off and sitting a bit deeper. Um, I just found it quite interesting over the last like month or so how probably how many different type of roles um Irabunum's kind of played under under Bill, whether that be quite high, a bit deeper, um, and his relationship with other players. So that was quite interesting in that sense. Yeah. I mean, do you reckon that's more down to they're still trying to find out what his best role is, or is that just he's an incredibly talented footballer that's able to play multiple roles in the side? I'd say the latter. Um I mean, I know he had his inconsistency with a losing performance, but for me, he's easily one of the best players in the side. Um, uh, on the ball, he's, he's brilliant. His weight of pass is something that really I like. Um, he just does it effort, effortlessly. Um, it'd be interesting to see maybe if he brings Field out. I know he won't at the minute because he's been playing really well, but 
if he plays as that kind of deeper number six because he's played more of as a box to box type advanced eight eight role. So I'd be interested in that sense. But he's, he's he uses class for me. Micah, anything else to add? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing as Dan. Really, uh, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> no, nothing. No. <laughs> Lovely stuff then. Well, we'll pivot and move on and look forward to our game against Birmingham. And to help us do that, we have Jamie from the Blues Focus podcast. And that is what you're going to be hearing next. Okay, so now uh, we are joined for the Birmingham perspective by Jamie Lawler from the Blues Focus podcast. Jamie, thanks for coming on. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. No, no worries. Um, so when, when we do these kind of previews, there's some some teams who are quite, you know, a bit dull. So some of these questions are a little bit tough to write. But when it comes to Birmingham, a new manager who <laughs> was at QPR, one of the top goal scorers in the league, an on-form former QPR player, and the ongoing story around if the club will be sold and where. So, you know, there's plenty to talk about here. And if we could, let's start off with the on off the field stuff. So, you know, I think how how's it sort of moving? Is there sort of any promise to it? And will will it be Lawrence Bassini basically? <laughs> No chance in hell is Lawrence Bassini. So I don't know. I don't know. Does this man just get bored sometimes at three in the morning, wake up and go, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to really wind up Birmingham City fans today. So obviously he had his interview on TalkSport. You saw it all happen with Simon Jordan, I think it was. And then it came out, he was nothing to do with the club. He came out again, obviously about a month or a few weeks ago. And Tom Ross, who obviously does all the Birmingham kind of stuff for like all the Midlands teams. He tweeted instantly saying, I have asked everyone, this Bassini is absolute nonsense. So Bassini is nothing to do with us at all, which is great because every club he's been at has ended up in absolute mud. And we're in enough mud as it is. Yeah. Like In terms of EFL takeover, you know as much as us if you look at the news, lads, like all we're hearing is, Richardson Lopez, pretty much good. They're how you know all the fans want him. They're at pretty much every game. Richardson, especially, is a Birmingham fan. Everyone wants it to happen. I think we're waiting on EFL approval. It's been absolute carnage trying to get dung. I think it is an all them to kind of move over. You know, I think Richardson buying twenty three point something in Lopez percent of the club. But in that, I believe they've said on talks what they get full dictatorship as to what happens to the club, and then they're going to buy the rest over five years. But the EFL are looking into something. I think the fans were very dodgy with Dong and all them lot, and they're kind of just trying to figure out the best way to deal with it. Because they yeah. gave us a point deduction for bad ownership and obviously bump balances a few years ago. So I think the story lies is, if they're soon to kind of go, well, this, 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 we'll reply with, you told us we could have this thing, you passed the good and proper test, which is meant to happen, and now you deduct your points of us. So what's the sketch? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always... Uh... It's always a bit of a shambles with the EFL, isn't it? It's sort of you never yeah, quite know where you stand. Yeah. So um, yeah, well, ho- hopefully some a resolution for that uh, pretty soon. Uh, on to on the pitch matters, and I guess sort of ha- better news. Fifteenth uh, in the table from the outside looking in, that feels like a bit of an improvement uh, for you guys. So d- at the start of the season, did you expect kind of uh, to be in this position? We have been used to, I, I can only speak for myself as a Birmingham fan, 
You know, we have been used to battling relegation. So I actually said at the beginning of the season, if you give me anywhere from 15th, 14th to 10th, I will end the season now and run home happy. It's an improvement. You know, um, honestly, you know, I'm more of a performance-based kind of guy. Like, I love getting results. Don't get me wrong. Give me three points. I'd take a scrappy 1-0, but we lost 2-1 to Blackburn at the weekend. And it's the first time in years, Alex, where I've been... All right, I'm annoyed we lost, but that was an incredible performance. We battered Blackburn. Mm. And I'm not just saying it like, I think they had three shots and they scored two or something stupid. Like, we dominated the game. And I'm like, Eustace has brung us into this new kind of playing. As, as you know, you boys know Eustace very well. Like, we love him. He's bringing a new form of play to us. You know, he's got pretty much a couple of players more than what Bowie had last season. And we're just a different animal. Okay, different so... Animal. Go... Go into a bit more detail on Eustace then. Obviously, like you said, he was our coach under Warburton for a few years. And mm-hmm. I remember, I think it was last season, Swansea, before they went, I think it was Swansea, before they went with Russell Martin, were in t- interested in him. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it felt like a big thing that he needed to stay because he had been like this consistency throughout two different managers. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> how's he faring uh, in his first championship managerial role? Really well. I, I personally think he's doing really well. He's deploying the back five as Bowie did last season, but there's more of an edge to it. You know, the wing backs aren't scared to go forward. We're playing at, we're playing it on the floor more like last season under Bowie, yeah. Like and we love Bowie as a club legend, but you could see he lost the dressing room. Like, it's just the fact that you can see that these players play for Eustace. Like you can see they want to do well for him. And you know, he's brought it's the first time in years we feel like there's unity in the squad. Like he's very unified the club and the fans, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The little things like when we won 1-0 away at Preston and we were first team score passing that season, you know, like all the players push Eustace towards fans and everyone was like loving it and clapping him. And Harley Dean was basically exiled from the squad last season, sent on loads to Sheffield Wednesday. He was our club captain pre-Troy. And now he's come back, clean slate. You know, we won again. And, you know, the players pushed him into the away fans and it was them things where it's like... This squad has good unity, like you see on Instagram, they're all hanging out together, and it, it's a good, very. He's brought a very good feel back to this club, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, a very good feel and a very good coach. He makes good decisions at good times. Okay, yeah, because he he kind of um, I too just before we signed Warburton, he he took charge of a few games after we had sacked Steve McLaren, and he's always had that sort of ambition to go there. I think we got him from Kidderminster originally yeah he was the boss there so you know uh delighted to see that it's working out for him because he he always seemed to be you know a a big part of any sort of good play that we had at qpr and it sounds the sort of things that you've been saying sounds kind of similar to how we set up last season so it's probably clear how um yeah he's had a lot of influence um so is he kind of like improving players you've got there have you sort of signed a few players that have improved squad quality we've got a lot of loans obviously we broke the loan thing where we can't have all our loanies in the match day squad so I think we it's five in a match day and I think we've got six um but it's his recruitment which has impressed us the most he's brought Christian Bielik in from Derby who in my opinion is one of the best CDMs in the championship when he's fully fit and he is at the minute he's got him playing his best football Hannibal from United we've bought to Heath Chung on a permanent who is a danger, you know, like he's got Troy looking back to his best, you know, he's not scoring many goals, Troy, but he is bullying defences. 
Scott Hogan's got that poacher ability back to him. Second top goal scorer, like you said earlier in the league. Eight goals. You know, it's just the genuine improvement in the squad. Like, we brought Sanderson back, and you boys know Sanderson. I don't know if he did that well for you last season, but for us, we were devastated to let him go in January back to Wolves. So how how's he been playing, actually? Because looking at the stats, he's only missed one game. Majority yeah, played suspension. 90 minutes. Right. You know, Too many yellows. He 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 has he does have that aggressive side to him. He loves he? the yellow card, doesn't he, Sanderson? Yeah. I remember a game He's a last season. The bookies. He uh, <laughs> um <laughs> he he got sent off in really frustrating circumstances. Yeah, I think he headbutted someone. I think it was Blackpool oh, at home. Man. Uh, it's just an absolute brain dave moment. I don't know why he did it, but um, he's still got that aggressive side to him. But how's he performing? Because uh, he, he he wasn't. Amazing for us, but he was in a different, t- difficult time when things no, were kind of no, falling no. apart. Quite a turbulent time for you, weren't it, last year yeah. with that kind of, you know. Um, I think Sanderson's done great. Like, he he offers something, you know, we've got Austin Trusty from Arsenal on loan on the left, and then we've got Sanderson on the right, and then you play like your Harley Dean or your Mark Roberts in the middle of them three. And because Harley or Mark don't have the greatest amount of pace, Sanderson makes up for that and matches that. He's athletic, he's quick, he wins everything in the air. You know, he's not a bad little passer of the ball as well. He offers mm. us something very yeah. different. You know, you'll, I don't know if he did it for you last season, but you'll sometimes just see him marauding down the right. He'll just appear on the right wing and you're like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> he's chipped in with a goal this season. You know, he's been a yeah. threat in both boxes. He's, I can't fault the man. Like, I think he's great for us and he seems to really enjoy just playing his football for us at the minute. Yeah, good to hear it because there's obviously a talent there and I think. It's difficult. Well, you know, for one, he's not Portuguese, so it's going to be difficult to get into that Wolves side. Well, um, yeah, I can't speak it, it either, probably. And it's, you know, it's diff- always difficult to break into the Premier League, especially when you've had a few loans um, and it's not quite worked out for you at, cert- at certain times, I guess. Um, there's a style of football that you're playing at the moment. I think you mentioned there sort of five at the back, didn't you? So is it more sort of possession-based? What What's Eustace got you playing? We we kind of take it by the team in terms of... So we played Burnley and we drew 1-1 last week at home. And although we probably had... I think we had literally 30% possession. It was the best I think we played because he's got us... I don't know if he did it for you. Very high pressing, aggressive, you know, mm. like... And he's just got that work rate back in that team. I think against you, we're probably going to end up... You know, I think you will just knock the ball about nicely. And I think you are going to probably have the majority of the possession. Yeah. Right. But I think we are. He's made us a very dangerous team on that counter attack. You've got Troy and Scott up top. You've got you know Chung bolting from the centre of the park. You've got Longello and Colin on either wing. Hannibal is a nightmare, and you'll see what I mean when you play him on Friday because he is just energetic and he will not give your centre mids a time of the day. Okay, so you've mentioned a few players there already. First of all, talk us through Scott Hogan. Um, you know, again, I guess there's another player that's kind of improved. I guess. Not at the top, yeah. but he's, you know, in the right place, scoring plenty of goals by the looks of it. He is. He, he misses a couple, don't get me wrong, but I said this last week on my pod and the other guy, Tommy, who does the pod very quickly, put it to me and he's right. He said, Jay, he scored every chance he had, he'd be in the bloody Premier League. Like, but he's getting in the box. You know, I think most managers we've had have kind of deployed Scott Hogan, like, especially back in the day when we had Karanka. He um, deployed him as a centre forward on his own. And just kind of wanted to hold the ball up. And that's not what Scott's about. He's very much a fox in the box kind of tapping merchant. Yeah. 
So, yeah, he's kind of doing that a lot more this season. And his work rate is fantastic. You'll see what I mean. He just runs after everything, that guy. Yeah, so it certainly sounds like there's a, a good atmosphere around the squad and side yeah, of the Yeah, there is. Perfect. There yeah. really is. Okay. Um. So, lastly, then, um, who else? Obviously, you've mentioned a few players already, Hannibal in particular. But who else mm-hmm. can you see being a threat for, against us on Friday? Who should QPR fans be late, looking out for? Late on in the game, we'll bring George Hall on, I imagine, if he doesn't start. Seven, uh, just turned 18 years old. Leeds United tried to buy him on the transfer deadline day. You can see why he's a threat. He came on against Burnley when we went 1-0 down. He got the assist. Mm-hmm. You know, he's okay. a very dangerous player. He scored yeah. against Watford this season. He's a good little player. Like plays centre-attacking mid-strike. Anywhere in the middle, really, apart from centre-back. And he's just quick as lightning. Good control. Energetic. You know what the young players like, man. They're just energetic. They want to get yeah. at you. And he's one of the nightmare players. We'll bring Jukovic on, I imagine, late on if we're losing or need to hold that game up. And he is an aerial monster. I'm okay. sure you've seen Jukovic a few times in the yeah. past. He just he loves a good header. Um, in terms of who will start the team, Bielit will try and break up all you play in the middle. And he, if he's on his game, it's going to be an annoying game for you because he is six foot four, dominant centre, defensive mid, converted from a centre-back. So he knows what he's doing back there. Yeah. Arm on the ball. I think the back three will be the back three. It will be Sanderson, Dean and Trusty. Longello on one side, Cullen on the other. And John Rudd has been phenomenal for a free agent in goal. Free signing, mm. he's been class. Perfect. But we're, okay. we're scared of your team, don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> you appeared second in the league out of nowhere. I know you were top of the league when we were playing Burnley. I remember looking at my phone at our side going, yeah, that's off the league. Someone else, where does that come from? I was like, they just very quiet. Like It's very tight, that's the thing. Because oh, anyone could sort of just like, just jump up the league with a couple of good wins. But we have kind of, um, I guess, that down near us, we've been, us fans have been making plenty of noise about it. But when you've got teams like Burnley and Norwich in the league, I guess you kind of go about your business quietly. And that's no yeah, bad place to be in. You're you doing it the best way. Do you know what I mean? Like, we actually looked at your squad on Monday when we did our pod and we all kind of went, oh God, I forgot they have these players. I forgot you got a dome. I forgot you got Willock still. I was like, oh God, Lord, the dome is going to score and dance in front of us all again. <laughs> I think Adoma again. He'll be on the bench. He won't start this time. And Willard Good. is uh, he's coming back from injury, so we don't know if he's going to start or not. It's. Um... I mean, I mean, I wish him all the best, and I hope he's all right. But I hope he's just not fit enough to start for <laughs> on Friday. I think you wish us all the best after Friday. Um, not... Yeah, of course. But like you know, <laughs> yeah. I think, I, I think we get a point. Hopefully, I, I was going to no say, one, what, what no will be your prediction us? for the game? No one likes to play us at the minute. Like We're a very difficult team, I think, to break down. We're a very difficult team to play against, especially at home. I know we've got half a stadium at the minute, but we still make a good noise. You know, We still yeah. bring a good atmosphere. I'm I'm a very, I'm one of them idiotic, optimistic fans that people say, and I want to say we're going to win 2-1. Would I take a point? Every day of the week, I'd take a point right now off you. Perfect. Well, Jamie, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, it's been brilliant. No worries. Thank Cheers. you so much, Alex. Thanks for having me. Thanks for your time, bud. No worries. Of course, and uh, thank you to Jamie for coming on. Um, but the Birmingham game is not the only game we've got coming up. We have got a trip to Norwich as well midweek. Um, another three-game week in the Championship in the build-up to the World Cup. Uh, Norwich, at the time of recording, lost to Burnley last night to put Burnley top 
and move us to second. Incredibly annoying. Um, and they sit outside the playoffs by just one point. So tell us, Dan, tell us a bit about Norwich. Um, well, to say the obvious, um, they're not doing very well. Um, I think well, I believe, well, my mate... Not doing very well, well sort of in comparison or, or sort of like to their previous season, sort of like what would you expect from Norwich? You kind of expect them to be at the top end of the table. To be outside of the playoffs at this point, I guess, would be disappointing. But it isn't necessarily a bad position well. to be in. Right. No. Yeah, yeah I think the form is pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah. Um I remember I saw bits of the uh, their game against Luton and they look they couldn't they couldn't pass a ball around basically. Um my mate, my mate, uh, who's a Norwich fan, yeah, isn't very happy. I think Josh Sargent's the only one that's really kind of hit in form in terms of goal scoring. Pookie's been a bit yeah, underwhelming. Eight goals in 18 games. I mean, yeah. Pookie's um, getting older now, isn't he? He's not sort of, you know, even though he's come back to he's the still championship, a very good he's still striker for this level, though. Yeah, absolutely. But he's still sort of like had a full season of Premier League football in between now and, you know, the last time he played in the championship. So, you know, players change over that time. Yeah. Yeah, and then no, I I didn't watch the game last night, but uh, Sam McCallum was back at left back. I thought he wasn't going to be um, back from injury till after the World Cup period, but he seems to have recovered well. So that'll be quite an interesting um, interesting test if we come up against him. But in terms of this, McCallum versus Laird, that will be mm. uh, that could it's got the potential to be heartbreaking in about twelve months when Laird's no longer with us. Um, <laughs> Looking back on it, what we could have had. But um, in terms of in terms of Norwich, I mean, Campbell's still around. He's kind of had a weird, probably 12, 18 months at the club. Um, they got in these um, Nunes and Sarah, I think both uh, South American players. What I think Nunes has done quite well, but I don't think Sarah's. Um, been as good as probably they were expecting for a big, quite a big fee. I think he came in for. Um, they've still got good players on the day. Max Aaron's obviously a good fullback, um, and they've got they still have depth. Um, so, yeah, I mean they're not doing well in terms of form performances, but I suppose they've got enough quality on their day that if they do turn up, then they're a real threat. Yeah, uh, Micah, what have you got regarding Norwich? Yeah, no, quite quite similar to um Dan said in terms of keeping the ball. They've really struggled. I've watched quite a lot of their big games this season. They've really struggled against your Watford, your Sheffield United, and especially last night against Burnley to keep hold of the ball. It's quite funny because I think typically people associate Norwich in the championship with having a lot of the ball, but they've really struggled with it uh, in the big games. Um, I just checked two wins in nine, four defeats. So, you know, for the preseason favourites, they are struggling. Um, Dean Smith can't really seem to get a rhythm with Norwich right now. Um, and yeah, you know, I think a lot of their problem comes from as well. Pookie's not firing. I think they've got the third highest XG in the league or fourth. I'm not sure. But they're creating the chances, but they don't seem to be putting them away other than Josh Sargent. And I think Josh Sargent's got their most assists as well. He might do. I might be wrong about that. Um yeah, so there, there, there seems to be a real sort of like lack of rhythm, lack of being able to keep the ball. I think Dan mentioned Nunes, the guy from Chile. He's looked all right in flashes, but he looks like he's getting to grips with um with the league and the country. 
Sarah doesn't look very good to me at all. I've only seen him on four or five occasions. He doesn't look very good to me at all. Um, so, so it is interesting. They, they might be a team that, you know, they find their rhythm as the season goes on, but I'm not sure they're going to be the team that barnstorms the league like they have been in previous seasons. They look, um, they look weak at the back for me. So two centre backs, Hanley and Tomkinson, were last night. Yeah. Uh, not, 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 not particularly. Um, well, how old is Hanley now? Well, I, I was about to say the last time I saw him play for Scotland, which would have been probably around the Ukraine playoff game, he he just looked so off the pace. Mm. Uh, obviously, after a long season, but it, at that point, I was, I, I thought he was going to retire. To be honest, um, to see him turn up this season, I was shocked because <laughs> he just didn't look like he could compete anymore. Um, and it's no—I don't think it's any surprise that you know, having gone with more able, younger centre backs since then, Scotland have played much better, uh, and that's definitely a part of it. Um, very quickly, Dean Smith—you uh, know—a lot of expectation there. Do we think he's under pressure? Do you reckon that they they could? pull the trigger and sack him. So that, that, I mean, Norwich usually have a pretty good time in the championship, so that doesn't seem... That seems sort of not kind of on track with what they usually do. Well, apparently, um, some of their fan base have already turned <laughs> on him. Um, that's according to my mate. So it's, it's interesting. Um, I think if the, if the performances were consistently there and maybe the results hadn't showed that maybe they wouldn't, but... I think it's a mixture of both that they're kind of frustrated by. And I think I've seen some of his post-match interviews and he's quite arrogant in the sense that, you know, the XG is there, the shots are there, but they're not, they're not really doing, um, they're not really scoring the goals, which I can understand to an extent, but there gets a point where you've kind of got to hold your hands up and kind of criticise yourself or the players. Um, so I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's not going too well at the minute, obviously. And lastly, Micah, big question. Do you think they'll still go up or or do you reckon they'll still sort of end up up there? Really depends, doesn't it? Really depends. I, I think they'll still be in and around there because I think if the situation does get worse than it is, I think Norwich pull the trigger. They've got parachute payments. They'll probably have money to spend in January. It's a good squad. I'm sure it's an attractive proposition to a lot of the sort of top-end championship managers. So I think they'll still be, you know, there or thereabouts. Um, who knows? It might be a it might be a season for Norwich, a bit of soul searching, and maybe they go again next summer. Yeah, I think the thing with them is that what, the way they were sort of going between the Premier League and Championship, eventually that becomes unsustainable because mm. you know the luck wears out eventually in a certain sense, and you can't other teams get better and sus, sus away out of beating you, um, and things just sort of naturally start to come to an end. And I have to say, prior to the season, I did kind of expect them to go up, but you know, it does does feel a little bit sort of QPR under Redknapp. You've got a relatively big manager for the championship, a big, probably you know, a well-paid squad there as well. Like you said, parachute payments and all that. And uh, you know, would not be surprised if they fluked it via the playoffs, uh, very much like us uh, all those years ago. Um, so you know, I think sometimes things just kind of come to a natural end and eventually you do have to kind of find your level again. For them, it probably is the championship and kind of reset and go from there. 
we are rapidly running out of time on this podcast so uh we will i think we'll wrap it up there we've covered pretty much everything i'd say uh so thank you very much to micah and to dan for coming on very enjoyable once again to record uh follow us on twitter on the accounts that we have access to please um and at our generation nets as well uh to keep across whenever we will be posting articles and whatnot um if you are listening to this on a platform that allows you to review it please review it if you're able to give us a rating please give us five stars we really appreciate you listening and any sort of uh rating really does help us i guess become more attractive to potential listeners yeah that's a rubbish explanation of that um so yeah once again thank you very much for listening and until next time come on you us. <laughs>